Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Wakia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of DARE, which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it's never too late to be great. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast. My name is Wakia Hayward, and I'm your host. Hello, and this is Barbara Wade. And hello, this is Anita Marshall. Hi, Anita. Hello. (laughs) So, ladies, Anita is our special guest today. And so um, she has this fantastic story to share. So this is our first episode in 2022. And I intentionally um, wanted to push Anita's story back to start us off with this year because it's just this beautiful story of um, redemption and, and, you know, trusting God and and walking in his victory. And so I felt like that was just a great place to to start this new year off. So, um, Anita, welcome to Dare to Pivot. Well, I want to thank you and Miss Barbara for having me. I am humbly honored um, to be a part of this, and um, it's it's a uh, it's an honor. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Yes, indeed. Thank you. So, Anita, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you a little bit, but if you could just share, um, introduce yourself to the ladies, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, ladies. My name is Anita Marshall. I'm um, originally from Charleston, South Carolina, minus the accent. (laughs) My uh, (laughs) uh, dad was military and um, I ended up marrying a military member, um, but uh, born and raised in Charleston, raised by my great grandmother who loved the Lord, lived uh, life serving God through more of her actions, more so than just, you know, beating beating your brow with the Bible. Went to private school, uh, attended college, met my uh, ex, now ex-husband um, while in my sophomore year in college at the College of Charleston. And uh, our first assignment was Misawa, Japan. Japan. Um, we spent seven years overseas. He was Air Force. And um, I had the pleasure of um, experiencing life outside of South Carolina. Um, being raised in South Carolina and back in the day, it was a lot of racism. My great grandmother who raised me experienced a lot of um, racisms where blacks had to walk, walk on one side of the street, use certain water fountains, so forth and so on. But um, the military life allowed me to experience people, culture, foods, um, life. And um, so that was one of the benefits of it. I have three amazing sons for my marriage. Um, they are, um, Living, two of them are in Maryland, one's in the Navy, um, stationed at, uh, in Virginia. Uh, let's see what else. I've been in banking. I've been in the financial institution for ooh, over 20 years. Um, so retirement is not too far away. Uh, 
Yay. So, <laughs> um, I'm divorced, been divorced for six years now and um, enjoying life, living life to the fullest. Um, I'm in a relationship with a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, we've been together for six years now and um, that's a, it's all good. It's all good. I am. Um, I'm a student of the word of God. I um, walk by faith. I, that's all I rely on and lean on. And um, I'm usually a happy-go-lucky type person. So that's it. Ooh, that's, ooh, honey, that's, that's, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, you had me a barber a happy-go-lucky person. <laughs> right, right. I was like, and I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, so we like to always ask the, the first question, which is tell us that thing that has probably been the most pivotal thing that has happened to you. And let's say in the last, we're going to go with the last five years. I would honestly say that I've been, I was married for 27 years, three amazing sons. And at the age of 52, I'm 59 now, um, started the process of going through a divorce and, um, just really kind of struggled as most women would, you know, thinking that, gosh, 27 years, how do you walk away from that? How do you start over? What do you do? And um, that's where I really had to trust God, rely on God. And it sounds so corny and cheesy to say, well, I trusted God, I relied on God, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And for me, it was simply taking the word of God and giving it back to him. And so when he said, I remember one morning I got up and I, uh, and I knew that it was over. Um, I went to God and I said, you know, you're my covering and um, I'm trusting you to be my husband and to take care of me and protect me. And the next morning when I got up to do my devotional, my Bible fell open and I believe it was Isaiah 54, 17, I think it is. And there was a scripture that says, I'm your husband. And he was talking to Israel and letting them know that he was there to protect them and, and guard them and, and watch over them. And I remember weeping because I knew then that God from his throne room had heard me and was responding and acknowledging that he was going to take care of me. And that began the process of getting through um, the divorce and discovering Anita. And one of the things I realized in my life was as a, a wife, a mother, a manager, um, a disciplinarian, a teacher, um, <laughs> an evangelist, all these other things for other people, I lost sight of Anita. And I had to rediscover her and in that process, I learned to love her because she's awesome. And, um, but I lost sight of that. And I had no idea who she was because I was so many other things to other people. So through this process, this growth process, I completed the divorce and discovered for myself things I wanted to do for Anita. And in that process, the Lord brought me some amazing friendships, some amazing stories, some amazing experiences. And I had to get over a fear that I had, um, you know, being African-American, a woman working in the financial industry. Um, you know, my process was, oh my gosh, how do I date? How do I, you know, who does that? How do you do it? You know, cause I've been with somebody for so long. And um, 
it was just amazing. Once again, going back to the Lord and asking him the same way that you sent Abraham to, I mean, yeah, Abraham to get this, his servant to get a wife for Isaac, Lord, send your servant for me. And it was a best friend of mine who was going through a similar situation who introduced me to the man I'm going to marry um, now. So it's those experiences that I've had in my life that have allowed me to trust God implicitly. And for some, it makes no sense. But for me, it makes all the sense in the world. So that's about uh, the gist of it. But the biggest pivot for me recently was work-life balance. I have been blessed to be a manager, executive manager, all the wonderful titles, do all the great things. But when you don't have the opportunity to enjoy it, um, you lose sight of self. And I didn't want to lose Anita again. So last year I decided um, I was going to change jobs. So I started putting in applications and nothing came through. And I was like, okay, Lord, what's going on here? Why aren't we moving? What's going on? And um, that wasn't his plan. That was Anita's plan. So I had to just forget all the plans that I had made, lay it out before him. And through that process, he allowed me to A, find my birth father, which another amazing story. Um, and through that process, he also allowed me to pack up, move out, and reestablish myself here in North Carolina where I know no one, I have no friends, <laughs> but I love being here. And he did this, this was a, like an Abrahamic type move to just be here in North Carolina. So um, that was a pivotal point in my life and in trusting him, allowing him to lead and guide and show me what to do, which was hard because I questioned, I doubted, I had a lot of fear, but to even do it afraid. Um, and in that process, just hearing his voice, wanting to hear his voice. And he made his voice loud and clear to me through his scripture, through scripture, um, through songs, through people. Um, I ended up in a place that just really, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I tell people if I had planned this trip or this event, I would probably be in Nova Scotia trying to find a place to live and trying to learn the language all at the same time. <laughs> so tell us, tell us during that part of your journey, how you distinguish between plans that were Anita's plans and plans that were um, God's plan that were just uncomfortable. Was it the result or how did you um, distinguish between the two? Well, around December of last year, um, I had decided, okay, I'm not, I don't know if I'm staying here in Maryland. Um, I don't know where I'm going to do or where I'm going to move to, but something had to be done because the relationship that I was in with my job was toxic. So I started putting in for jobs. I've never been declined for a job. I've always, for what I do, I've always had an immediate response. Mm. And walls, it, it was like, no, we've already hired somebody. No, I kept getting no's. Mm. And sometimes when we get those no's, I've learned that 
no means God has a bigger plan. Mm -hmm. So I got frustrated, but I knew I needed to wait and see what he wanted me to do. And in that process, my, um, the Lord allowed me to, to discover my birth father who lives in Nashville, North Carolina, not Nashville, Tennessee, but Nashville, North Carolina. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm moving to Nashville, North Carolina to be near him. And that wasn't God's plan either, because mm -hmm. here I was putting my hands all on it once again and leaving my fingerprints, whereas it was not what God wanted me to do. How do I know that it wasn't his plan? There was no joy associated with it. There was going mm -hmm. to be suffering because I would have to do things financially. There was too much of me worrying, stressing, putting mm -hmm. myself all into it. It became a chore. Mm. Whereas sometimes the things that God wants us to do, there is some type of chore or uh, something involved, but this became tedious to the point that it, it wasn't healthy. Mm. It was spiritually draining, physically mm. draining, mentally draining, and that's not of God. So I um, stepped back and I remember deciding, I'm not doing this until I hear from you. Mm. And in that process, I would cut the radio on and there would be a song that ministered um, mm -hmm. to me. And, and I mean, I'd, I could even try to avoid God by going to a secular radio station mm -hmm. and there would be Kirk Franklin or something right, right. at that moment because <laughs> God was reaching out to me mm -hmm. to let me know, this is the plan that I have for you. This is the plan. This is my plan. And to understand that God has a plan for each and every one of us, but I understood God had a plan for me, mm -hmm. for me specifically. And his plan, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. So in that process of waiting for him, um, a funny story, I had told my son, I said, you know, I'm not staying in this apartment anymore, I'm moving. And um, at this point, I knew North Carolina was going to be a place because he revealed a few things when it came to the move. Mm -hmm. It was between North Carolina and South Carolina. My sister lives in South Carolina. And once again, I was leaning towards being close to family and leaning in that direction. And as I started to prepare, I said, Lord, I'm gonna start packing the house. And, um, I, I said, I'm, I'm going to get some boxes to start packing. This was, this was about January, because um, my lease was up in June. And I pulled home to park. Someone had moved or moved in or moved out of the complex. There were brand new boxes, mm. and it had to be 20 of them. Wow. Brand new boxes sitting against this wall. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So that, and it's the little things like that. Yeah, that we, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Pay attention yeah. to. Yes, it, yes. It, when he's guiding us. So I yep. went and got the boxes and brought them in. The, and I'm literally, look, these boxes were in excellent condition. They were moving boxes. They right. were fine. So he was preparing me. And right. it was things like that. Um, another part of the story was as I um, started to feel that he was moving me in the direction of North Carolina, um, South Carolina, um, the company that I was with had openings in those areas and they were working with me to move me to those areas. But one of the things I had to realize is 
when you're in a toxic relationship and it's killing you, it's not a good place to be. So to move with this company to another area and still be with a toxic relationship with this right. company, it didn't matter. My concern was, oh gosh, my salary, because moving down South salaries drop significantly. And it's right. like, oh my gosh. And um, that was an issue for me because up in Maryland, it's a different lifestyle. It's a di the cost of living, you get paid more. And um, I remember interviewing, um, I got a call for an interview from two or three different companies, which then al allowed me to see that God was actually moving me. Um, mm -hmm. And most of them came from North Carolina. Okay. And so it was a matter of where are you going to live in North Carolina? And once again, on my knees, going before God, Lord, this is what I'm looking for. If I hear this, this, and my supervisor is a Christian, my, the company I work for, they moved me here. I'm making more here than what I was making in Maryland. Mm. I, my previous job, I was working seven days a week. I have every weekend off here. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm in the same industry doing practically the same thing, but mm -hmm. I have work-life balance. Wow. Which is a gift. <laughs> you gift, you give to yourself. Very much. I actually, I actually have a question that we're going to go before that. So you had made a statement about how when you was actually going through your divorce and you realized that you, well, I guess when you was, yeah, when you was going through the divorce, you realized that you didn't know you, you was all these things, but you had lost Anita. And you said you mm -hmm. went through this process of trying to figure out who you were. What was that process like? Like, so if you had to, if you had to put that in your book and you had to say, follow these steps. or so these are a couple of steps that a woman should look into to try to figure out how to find, get back to herself. What would be at least like three of those steps? Like what were those things? I had to learn to spend time with me alone. Mm -hmm. um, because I had been um, around my family. I had been with my ex-husband. I had been um, around coworkers. I have ministered to other people. I was always around people. And I always felt the, that, that urge or need to assist or help people or minister or talk to or share stories with. But I never had a silence with Anita. Mm -hmm. Just spending quality, quiet time getting to know me. What do I like? What do I like to eat? Why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. um, why do I think this way? Let's revisit some of the, even going back into my marriage, the things that I contributed to the marriage that may have caused us to go in different directions, things that I may have contributed to the lives of my sons. Um, so revisiting my past, but then also preparing for my future. So spending that quiet quality time with me, um, allowed me to understand Anita. The most important thing of all, loving Anita. I had to love Anita. I didn't want, I know the love of God for me. I know my family loves me, but I had to love me. I had to love the ugly parts of me meaning the things that I, I'm a procrastinator, like nobody's business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
I justify it by saying, oh, if I write at the last minute, that's when my best thoughts and energies flow, okay? <laughs> ma'am, it takes one to know, ma'am. It takes one to know one. Don't worry. We are, we are kindred spirits. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but I had to really learn to accept and love even my flaws. I'm not perfect, you see? And that was a beautiful thing for me because if someone saw the, my flaws or experienced them, it wasn't so overwhelming and shocking and ugly because I was already aware of it, you see? Mm-hmm. And the other thing was um, just really not allowing anything and everything to walk into my life. Mm-hmm. Boundaries, I love it. Yeah, because for me, and not to be arrogant or anything, I'm phenomenal. I'm awesome, Amen. Amen. okay? I have a lot to give and I'm not going to waste it. Ma'am, if you don't know it, you can't sell it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know? So for me, um, just to, you know, coming out of a relationship and wanting to, you know, hearing, and it's so funny how the enemy works. He'll, being in my industry, I'd meet people. I've been separated for 10 years. I haven't met anybody. And that it, you're hearing a lot of that, you know? And I'm like, no, that's not for me. And not just receiving anything and everything that somebody says. You know, somebody could just as easily say, they could have said, oh, you're gonna have the hardest time finding somebody. No, that's not for me. I'm not receiving that, you see? And so I learned to put up the boundaries, the walls, and what can come into my life and what cannot come into my life. And to be bold enough to say, I'm not welcoming that. That's unacceptable, you Mm. see? And I remember being from South Carolina, timid, shy, not comfortable being Anita. I put up with all of that, Mm. no more. So those are the three things I would, you gotta love yourself. You gotta know yourself. You got to spend time with yourself and put up those boundaries to say that's unacceptable or I welcome you with open arms. So that's what I've learned. I actually, I actually love that. You know, I, I feel like I, I, um, all those, those three things for me, um, are so true to who I am as a person. Like, like I just, <laughs> it just, it just makes, Barbara, you laughing at me. <laughs> it just makes so much sense to me. Um, you know, about, you know, just spending time alone and then, you know, you know, learning to love yourself and then set up those boundaries. Because I think once you spend time alone, then like you said, you sort of realize not only just how phenomenal you are, but like you said, what your issues are, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like what your issues are. And you, and you were like, you know, I know I got these, my mother taught me when I was a little girl, my mother said, you know, you're top shelf. She said, they Mm -hmm. put the stuff, they put the discount stuff on the bottom shelf. Mm-hmm. They put the, the good stuff on the top shelf and you want people mm-hmm. to understand that you're top shelf and they need to reach for you. Not necessarily mm-hmm. the fact that you're better than anyone else. You're just not below anybody else. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so just really being able to understand that and accepting that in my spirit and knowing that's my truth, mm-hmm. um, it really helped to set boundaries around me on what you was going to get and what you was going to get. Because, mm-hmm. hey, why would I, why in the world would you get the best and I get the foolishness? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's just ridiculous and I talk. think also too, we really have to be careful, especially coming out of a relationship. And, you know, some people make the mistake of going immediately into something mm-hmm. because they don't want to be lonely, you True. see. And so in that process, they're not spending quality time with self to understand when I'm by myself, I'm not lonely. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm alone in a room, but I am by no means lonely. True. Mm -hmm. I have plenty of stuff to entertain me. I am quite entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm quite entertaining. So, you know, I find it so, so interesting because, you know, we, you know, we've talked to several women, um, Barbara and I on this podcast who have either mm -hmm. gone through a divorce or who have gone, who are in the transition of divorce or something in that, in that area. And you're actually the first one to even talk about going into another relationship. Like you're the very first one. Mm -hmm. And so, um, how long, you said you're, you're a divorcee now, about six years. You've been now in North Carolina about one year, almost one year. Yep. And December so will be, you know, March will be one year. Perfect, mm -hmm. right? So how long after the divorce or in that, did you know that you know that you wanted to be back in a relationship? Like this was still something that was a desire in your heart and you was wanting God to honor it despite the divorce. What's so amazing. One of the things I didn't tell you guys, I'm a storyteller. God always gives me a beginning, a middle and an end. Amen. And so one of the friends that I had at the time, um, she was going through a divorce as well. And um, we ended up meeting in the financial institution and uh, her, what she was going through was similar to what I was going through. But my faith was what drew her in and we became best friends. And through that process, um, she was a, a professor, my sweetheart's a professor. They both work at the same school. Um, but before I even knew of him, one of the things I had gone before God was in my relationship, I never had my spouse as my best friend. We were not best friends. There was no transparency to be, I could say, I really screwed up. I spent too much on this, or you know, I accidentally did this. There was no opportunity to have that in the relationship. And then there was a lack of intimacy. But the main thing for me was there was a lack of the presence of God where we went before God with issues. And so I went before God and I said, Lord, whoever and whatever you have for me, I'm trusting you. Okay. I've trusted you all my life. You've done, you've provided financially. You've given me my sons. I spoke that I wanted three sons. I have three sons. I spoke for a house. God blessed me with, specifically with the house I asked for. So the God that I serve answers me based on what I'm asking for specifically. So I said, Lord, I want somebody who's been in your throne room, who knows you by name, who has been on their knees before you and called upon you. I want somebody that I can be friends with. And I want somebody, Lord, that I don't have to take my clothes off to prove that I have to validate the relationship or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But if anything, I want him to see you before he sees me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want him to know you and love you more than he loves me. I want him, Father God, to, through you, to be an encourager to me. And that's when I also said, Lord, the same way Abraham sent the servant for his, for Isaac, for a wife, send your servant for me. Hmm. Now said that prayer before God completely. That was just my prayer before God. And during the divorce, I had, um, you know, people were doing selfies. So, you know, you're dealing with my confidence as a black woman, there's all these women <laughs> everywhere, competition, whatever, however you want to look at it. I'm doing selfies. So my issue was, Lord, my nose is huge. Can, and this is my relationship with God. Okay. I, God knows I love to laugh. Laughter is medicine to the soul. And I tell people, God has healed me of things. I will never have any idea that I had. Okay. 
because I laugh so much. All right. So the running joke with me and God was fix my nose. Every time I would do a selfie, I was like, Lord, uh, -uh come on now, do something with this nose. And so that was between me and God. So it was about, I would say maybe three or four months later, going through having signed the divorce papers, done with that. Um, I'm not thinking of a time frame of being in a relationship because I'm healing, I'm, I'm um, focused on you know, my apartment, getting it decorated, my sons, their emotions, so forth and so on. And um, my best friend said, um, I used to teach financial literacy at the colleges and the high school. And she said, Anita, I have somebody who wants to meet you. So I said, sure, just um, tell him my schedule and I'll be glad to um, do the financial. She goes, no, he wants to see you. Well, one of the things that really messed with me mentally as a woman was I had always been Mrs. Marshall. I was, I honored my marriage. I honored my husband. From my industry, I was always Mrs. Marshall. I dressed for him, I was sexy for him, everything was geared towards him. But when she said these words, it was amazing to me that someone wanted to lay their eyes upon me. And- Oh, that's beautiful, yes. Yeah, that, it just, it was just really a profound thing for me. So I said, I, I don't think I'm ready for that. And she said, well, he's just looking for a friend. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's what I asked God for, a friend. Mm -hmm. So the three of us met, we had pizza. And when he walked in the room, he dressed like my ex. <laughs> <laughs> and Which was, might not be all bad. I don't know, but okay. I'm listening, I'm listening. Very nice, very polished man. And so... Um, we met, we talked, and one of the things he said at the table was, he said, um, oh my gosh, I love the God in you. You are amazing. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. What did I ask God for? Mm -hmm. I asked God that he sees you before he sees me, okay? Mm -hmm. So he leaves. And I'm like a high school kid. I'm like, okay, all right, okay. So what did he see? What is it? And she goes, oh my God, oh my God. He said, he really loves the God in you. And now she had no idea of my prayer, any of this stuff before God. And she said that, um, he said that he would really like to be your friend. And I said, okay, that's pretty cool. And then she said, but he said the weirdest thing. And I went, oh my God, what? And she goes, he said, you have the cutest nose. Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> wow. I love it. I love it. We yes. have been, we were friends for six months, just talking, getting to know each other. And then we decided to commit to each other because, you know, I wasn't into that multiple dating and seeing other people and, you know, all that wishy-washy stuff. And, um, this is a man who prays with me, prays for me, calls me, checks on me. I'm here by myself in, in North Carolina and he calls to check on, hey, babe, did you lock your doors? Did you? So it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful Aww, thing. My, sweet. Son, my sons love him and they love him for me. They love sweet. him for me. And that's a beautiful thing. Wow, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is so good. 
Listen, I know he had you with that nose thing, child. He could have asked you to marry him right then. If you would like, you know what? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> he had he you checked all the boxes. Thing, checked all the boxes. Yes, sir. Quick, one meeting. He done checked everything in one meeting. Yes. <laughs> so I, I know, um, I'm sorry, Barbara. I keep it safe, like I'm asking everything. You got one? No, I'm, I'm looking at her questions, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, so you had talked about, you know, just, um, obviously your faith is so, so, so important and you're constantly listening to God. You're constantly listening to God. And I always say that a lot of times for me, um, depending on what it is I want, God voice sounds just like my voice, ma'am. It sounds just like my voice. I'm sure his voice sounds just like I need a voice too. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So just being able to understand him clearly. Mm-hmm. And you had said some things earlier, like before, right? That it's not stressful. You know, you want to find joy in it and it's not a tedious process. But even before you get to that point of even trying those things to determine about it's not being joyful, it's, it's tedious. You know, how do you know that you're hearing God's voice and not your voice initially? He takes me back to his word. Amen. Mm-hmm. What if you don't know his word? Un momento. Un momento, though. What if you don't know his word? The peace that surpasses all understanding. Here's how awesome God is. You may not know his word, but he will introduce you to it. Mm-hmm. See, God mm-hmm. doesn't hide himself True. from us. Okay. So it's, you know, people make it, we're the ones that make it so complicated. You know, well, how do I know that it's God? How do I, you know, but if I go and speak scripture to somebody that turns them off, you see, Mm -hmm. see, Mm -hmm. sometimes God will use the reverse. He'll reveal himself in our everyday circumstances. And then all of a sudden we're happening to listen to Joel Osteen or, cut the radio on at a particular time. And there's that thing. I just heard that. Yes. That's God. Yes. You see, mm-hmm. God is not complicated. We're complicated. Right. We're True. Complicated. And the love, see, love is the easiest thing to do and to have. We complicated. Hmm. Can you expound upon that? In the sense that God says, think about it. It's real simple. He says, I promise never to leave or forsake you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been loved like that? Have you ever been loved like that? Well, most of us will say, well, I don't think so. And if we think we have, we've equated it to a human perspective because that's mm-hmm. how we measure it. Mm-hmm. But the God who loves us will move heaven and earth or has moved heaven and earth, okay? Sent his only son, sacrificed his son so that I could live and not die. So what does that mean that he sacrificed? Have you ever looked at one of your children or somebody and said, you know what? I could sacrifice you right now for humanity, okay? Or just look at yourself. I would sacrifice self for humanity. Think about that. He did that for me and for you. So the love that he has for us, if we take it and simplify it, that if I need something, he says, I'm your provider. If I need protection, he says, I'm your protection. But are we looking for it? Are we expecting it? Are we anticipating it? Are we putting that expectation on a God who says, I love you. I want to give you my very, very best. Are you receiving it? 
like a child. Are you expecting to hear his voice? Are you expecting to crawl into his, his arms and let him minister to you and love you and wrap himself around you and know that no one can come against you because he said so. One of my favorite pastors, uh, this guy named Darius Daniels, and he has this line and he says, the God you seek is the God you get. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you're not looking for that, if you're not looking for that type of God, obviously you're not going to find him. Yeah. You know, and I think what normally happens a lot of times. I think God is even bigger than that. You see, because if we even expect him, even the, the things that he does for me, it's small because he's so, he's vast, he's big, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. The thing, he's sovereign. But I think the beauty of it all is that God wants to simplify himself so we can digest partake, partake, sup with him, love him, be, he wants to be in our presence. He is in our presence. We're the ones who turn our backs on him. Very true. Mm -hmm. Very true. So obviously, you know, you're a woman of great faith, right? And as you know, even when you just look at um, trends of today and everything like that, there's a lot of people who have turned away from God or they're just mm -hmm. not, you know, that's just not where they are. They just, it's not that they don't believe he's exists. They just not really in relationship with him <laughs> today mm -hmm. or whatever that looks like. Right. So, um, where does your faith come from and how do you keep it tuned in? Practice. Amen. Practice is simple. The things we want to accomplish and do, we practice. Truth. You know, whether we realize it, you know, consciously or subconsciously, mm -hmm. those who turn their backs, they're, they're practicing turning their backs. Those who want to seek him, they're practicing setting time, getting in the word, however, talking with him, expecting him to talk back. It's practice. It's practice. It's really just that simple. Once again, we complicate things by making it this tedious process, whatever. No, it's, it's a simple process, you know, practice. When I'm out of alignment with him, he draws me right back in lovingly. You see? No more Absolutely. I'm raising a child and my child gets out of line, you know, there's little discipline things I have to do to get them back in, in, in check, you know? But as a parent, we have to, if you look at it from the perspective of a mother and a child or a father or a family raising a child, that's the relationship he has with us. I have to be chastised every once in a while because I get out of line. Mm -hmm. And he does it because he what? Loves us. He loves me. So this is one of your questions. Where does your faith originate? My faith <clears throat> originates from... Originally, um, my great grandmother, um, mm -hmm. it, it started with her and I love her. Um, she died um, when I was 11, but in the short period of time that she was in my life, um, little is much in the hands of God. And mm -hmm. um, what she deposited in my life was amazing. Um, at, I was about five or six years old and um, I used to practice writing um, in the Palmer's Handbook of Writing. So my signature is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> if you can say so yourself. <laughs> that way, because I'm going to be signing books, autographs, okay? <laughs> so, um, 
every day when I came home off the bus, she would have a, a glass of Kool-Aid ready for me and the thick bologna that you had to pull the little red tape off. And I love it. The good yes, stuff, honey, the good yes. stuff. Yes, the good stuff. So, um, this particular day, um, the book, she'd written down the word cat and dog. So I practiced cat and then I got to dog and I've, I've always been creative. And I said, mama, is there such a thing as a OGD? She said, no, baby, no such thing as an OGD. I said, mama, is there such a thing as a GDO? She said, no, baby, no such thing. Mama, is there such a thing as a G-O-D? She said, yeah, baby, God made you and God made me. You belong to him. I got mad mm. because my natural mother had abandoned me. My mm -hmm. great grandmother raised me and I belong to her, not mm. God. But I've been messed up for God ever since. Mm. Okay. All right. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of my interest. Who is this God that I belong to? You know, who, how dare he come into our lives and I belong to him, you know? Right. right. And, and to this day, I belong to him. <laughs> so when did you make that transition? So that's, so that's great. So mm -hmm. I, I love that challenge. So when yeah. did you reconcile that that was a good thing and that she wasn't giving you away? She was teaching you, mm -hmm. you know, his ownership of, of you, of her and the world. So when did you make that transition? I would say, you know, she, my grandmother was active in Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to private school, Catholic. Mm -hmm. So I had, I was double dipped. Right. <laughs> Sundays, Baptist, and then uh, we had mass, you know, the mass services and whatnot. I remember, I think it was about maybe fifth grade. We were doing, it, I think it's called the something of the cross. I can't remember what it was, but it was, you, you kind of, it was a Catholic service and you just watched as they went and told each story from these little plaques that were on the wall of Jesus's suffering as he went to be crucified. Mm -hmm. And I remember they were saying he was beaten and I didn't realize my heart was broken, but when I went to blink, a tear rolled down my eye hmm. and I looked to see if anybody else was crying and nobody else was. That was the beginning that something was different about what I was feeling from everything that I had experienced. Mm. And I want to say it was my senior year of um, going from eighth grade actually into ninth grade where a Catholic priest said, well, when you have children, you have to raise them as Catholics. And he got upset with me because I remember I used to always ask questions. Well, where's purgatory? Who's been there? Who's ever come back to say? So I was always a challenged, challenging person because I always had questions. Now, my grandmother represented the life of giving. If somebody was ill, we went to visit them. We served them. We took care of them. I went to every funeral imaginable. That's how I discovered death because she was an usher and she was at every funeral. But the key thing was it was her lifestyle and her love of God through singing I would see the Bible open and she would read it, but she never forced it down my throat. And it was just her gentle presence and his presence in her 
that was the turning point that when I got to college, I realized there's something different about me. And there, were, there was, there was something totally different about me because I felt like nobody saw him the way I saw him or experienced him the way I experienced God. And I almost saw myself as sometimes being weird because when he spoke or he would do things in my life, I would ask and there it was, or I would ask a question, Lord, why is this happening? And what does this scripture mean? And I'd cut on the radio and there would be the answer and I'd share it with somebody and they'd look at me like, what's, what's your problem? So I've always felt like I'm, I've got, I'm weird. But eventually I got to the point that he said, we are going to be weird and odd to those who don't know him. Mm -hmm. that we do. I just tend to, I think we're all balanced. He all, he loves us all the same way rather, but it's just a matter of how much time are you putting towards him? Once again, going back to practice, how much, you, how much time are you spending practicing your love for God or practicing listening for God or practicing speaking to God or talking to God? It's not this, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, your friend calls and picks up the phone. You know what to say. Well, mm -hmm. be the friend, talk mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. I definitely think I, so I, I, I would say for those of us who have been in the faith for a long time and, and who are still walking in that, walking in the faith, um, it makes perfect sense to mm -hmm. say practice, mm -hmm. to say practice, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think as we, as you know, as we go ahead, I'm sure you come to come around people in your travels as well, right? Where things have happened in their life and, and things have just gotten a lot harder and crazier. And I guess what I'm thinking about is and truthfully, like they just don't believe enough to practice. It's just like you said about a friend, right? You're As long as I'm practicing being in a relationship with my friends, it's cool. But the moment I feel like my friend has let me down and I decide I can't trust that person no more. So I just walk away from that person because I just can't trust that person anymore. So I don't even want to invest the time into the practice, right? So have you ever experienced that, that situation? And then how do you, what is the encouraging words you give the ladies to say, go back and try again? You know, let's get back, in, you know, let's get back into practice. For yourself, practice. And the practice piece of you're going to face people who are going to reject you. You're going to face people who, are just not where you are, even if you're not there yourself. The point being, your practice is personal. So let's say you're with a, that friend and you've tried to talk to them and they reject you. Then guess what? Your practice is between you and God. Just because they're not receiving you does not mean that God has stopped receiving you. Your responsibility is to go to the Father on their behalf. We're intercessors. My apologies. I, my, my, my apologies. I'm saying that you don't trust God. So therefore, God is the person who you feel like it let you down. So you don't feel like, you know, God is that person who you say, and truthfully, that I'm going to be in practice with God. But uh -huh. it's hard to go to go to someone who you don't feel like you're in that you can trust. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is what normally happens to a lot of people who are in the faith and mm -hmm. end up walking away from the faith It's because something has happened to them in that point that they feel like it's been so traumatic. that they just don't feel like they can trust God at this point. So they can't. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm well, saying? It goes well, let's just say not can't, but they don't. <laughs> let's just say they don't. <laughs> it, it, it's once again, it's a simple process. They've practiced not to trust God. They've rehearsed it. I don't trust him. This happened. They can rehearse that 
more over and over and over again, as opposed to, you know what? I think I'm gonna go out on a limb and even challenge God, Lord, prove yourself to me. And guess what he'll do? He'll do just that. He's done it in scripture, you see? So for those who have the hardest time saying, well, you know, I've been hurt, I've this has happened, so forth and so on, even to the extent that I have even said to someone not too long ago at the loss of a loved one, and I told the individual, I said, not to be insensitive to your loss, but I said, did they believe in the Lord? And they said, oh, yes, they did. I said, well, guess what? Their story's not over. They're alive. Mm -hmm. And to me, when we lose, and we don't lose people, I think today's vernacular and how we look at things and looking at things through the eyes of God, we don't lose anybody. They move on to life, you see? And we have allowed the world to condition us and train us and um, to, so that we accept what they're saying. Oh, they're dead. No, they're not dead. If they're believers, they're alive, you right. see? But it goes back to this thing that if you are anxious and you worry about those things and the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. And our anxiety is the rehearsal of the negativity over and over and over again, which pushes us away from God. But if you decide, you know what, I'm going to just simply practice, Lord, I'm, I'm closer to you today than what I was yesterday. Yes, I was hurt. Yes, I, I lost. Yes, this was taken away. Yes, I'm dealing with this, this issue but I'm going to trust you today a little bit more than what I did yesterday. And I'm asking you to prove yourself, right. prove yourself to me. If we put a demand on God, which we can do and it's okay, guess what he'll do? He'll show up. He will show up and he'll show out. Yep. So that you have a story to tell that does what? It brings him glory. Amen. That's what it's all about. Every time. Every single solitary time. <laughs> so, so I think I think um, what I what I really hear, and I and I just want to just reiterate this. When we first when we first started this conversation, I said introduce yourself, and mm -hmm. I remember you went down a whole thing interest introducing yourself, and you said something about you're just a, a more of a positive person, mm -hmm. right? That's your truth, mm -hmm. and I think because that is your outlook, mm -hmm. I I think it just rings true. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, if you're always looking for the light, you're going to see the light. Yeah. It's true, right? And I think that to me is the thing that I want um, our ladies to hear is just the, the thought process behind mm -hmm. how you're even processing the information of what's happening, right? Because it's what you're what seeking. You're, seeking. Mm -hmm. you're looking for the light. Yeah. It's just that simple. You're always looking for the light. Exactly. And if you're always looking for the light, then that's what you're going to find. You're not going to find, um, it's like you said about, well, you know what, if, even if God lets you down, try him again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and see if you, excuse me, let me be clear. If you feel like God let you down. There you go. Let me just make sure I, I, mm -hmm. I say that properly. Um, try him again, right? You know, because, you know, either there was a reason or there was something else in his plan because he has a plan for me and he's going to work that plan for me. And just try them again. Like it's, it's not over yet. It's, this thing is not over yet. And I think those are the things that we want women to sort of hear, especially as we're going into this new year and about to um, 
embark in whatever 2022 has in store for us, yeah. right? That, you know, that it's you, not over. Yeah, because, you know, even you saying, looking, you know, looking for the light, we are light. Truth. When he's within us, we are the light. When we show up, the atmosphere has to change, you see? And this is the thing, we don't speak life. He tells us, you know, death and life is where? In the power, power of the tongue. tongue, yes. And whatever you speak, you're going to eat the fruit thereof. So if someone's getting up going, well, I'm broke. Are you surprised? That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm <laughs> Are you surprised? And you make gross choices and decisions. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a no-brainer. Speak life. Right. Oh, I'm sick. No. <clears throat> Why would you speak that over yourself? Right. Like I was saying earlier, someone can walk into your life and say, "Oh, that's going to happen to you." I reject that in the name of Jesus. No, it's not. Right. Right. So we've got to start our day. I start my day when someone says, "How are you doing today?" Oh, I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. Now. The dog may have had an accident in the house. I might've gotten up late. The power might've gone off. There might be ice on the ground or whatever the case may be. The car may not start, but guess what? I'm wonderful, you see? And that's what happens. My day ends up becoming wonderful because it'll end up that if I got a flat tire, a neighbor may see it and say, hey, you know, I'll take care of that for you. Speak life. Mm -hmm. Use this little instrument to speak life over your life, into mm -hmm. your life, for your life. Perspective. Absolutely. I get it. Love it. Love it. Ma'am, I'm, I'm constantly taking notes. You see me right look up to the side. Mm -hmm. I'm taking notes. <laughs> um, but yes, I think, I, I, and I definitely think this right here is a great place to end. I think that... Um, just for women, just to leave women with that, right? Just the power of speaking life. And you've called that out into multiple places in this conversation where even what you speak and how many boys that you want to have and how you mm -hmm. still want to have somebody else in your life and how you knew you wanted to move and all these things that you kept proclaiming, mm -hmm. you know, um, in the name of the Lord, all those things just, you know, it sort of like activated it yeah. and it came to pass. Mm -hmm. And there's power in the tongue. And mm -hmm. the fact that you're constantly... Um, using that power that superpower for yeah. good <laughs> you know and, and and bringing that good into your life no matter what's happening even though it doesn't mean that things are not going to be perfect right because like you said the dog had an accident accident you was late you didn't have power there was ice on the road but yet still in all of that which you're still speaking to that situation is that today you're still wonderful amen mm -hmm. and you know getting back to your comment about the word you know i, I know in some conversations people are looking for every little life situation that we're going to have as if what happened in the Bible times have a direct correlation to things that we do today. Mm -hmm. And if it didn't specifically say it, then it either is or it isn't going to happen. So mm -hmm. don't talk about having domestic animals in the house, you know, so we're not, there's no, no pet chapters. Okay. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> that makes people a little uncomfortable, but anyway, um, but because those specific things aren't in the word, their perspective is diminished mm -hmm. in that if in the word, it didn't say specifically that this is or is not going to happen mm -hmm. and their faith and their perspective is limited yeah. to what they're expecting in their life. And so yes. 
I'm saying all that to say that I found that those are instances where they diminish mm -hmm. the light. Like they're, they're looking so literally yeah. for every life experience mm -hmm. that they have or are going to have mm -hmm. um, to be spoken to explicitly in the word of God. And when it's not there, mm -hmm. they're lost. Um, and if it is there and it isn't the outcome that they wanted, you mm -hmm. know, then, you know, their, their faith is, is questioned. Yeah. And, um, so I just so appreciate you utilizing the imagery of light mm -hmm. being within us that if we just focus on ourselves, um, just increasing the wattage of our light, yeah. um, yes. regardless of where that light is be is uh, what is either casting a shadow on our light, mm -hmm. covering up our light, or giving us opportunity to expose our light. If we just don't um, focus on all of those individual specific situations, and we focus on the source of our light, mm -hmm. which is God, there you go. Then I think our perspective of how we can address all those things that specifically happen in our lives. Yeah. And I think um, we can do that with maturity and wisdom uh -huh. um, if we look at it from that perspective, more abstract as opposed to um, just concrete and, and, and explicit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I appreciate uh, you giving us that imagery. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, when you have people that are so staunch um, and rigid, it mm -hmm. becomes religious. And right, religious. right, right. And, um, you know, I was just reading not too long ago about the Pharisees that they always challenge Jesus because of a, a, a concept or, or something that they had put into mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jesus always right. countered with love, you right. see. And I, I just think that love the the light that we share really is the love of god the holy mm -hmm. spirit within us the the light that we bring forth it's it's love mm -hmm. and once again it's a simple process stop practicing being <laughs> negative or hard or cold or mm -hmm. take the negative words out and you know it's um it's interesting i always try to when I run into couples, and this is really, um, you know, a, a blessing for me that people who um, are married to be an encourager to them, even though I have gone through a divorce, and I always encourage them, spend quality time with each other, talk to each other, look each other in the eyes. But before you go to bed every night, say three positive, wonderful things about each other before you end your evening. And you know, it's hard for people to come up with positive, encouraging words to uplift and encourage each other. We're supposed to edify each other, uplift each other, <laughs> sing to each other, <laughs> and it's hard. Mm -hmm. So just simply learn to love each other, forgive each other, and pray for each other. Three simple concepts, mm -hmm. three simple things. Mm -hmm. Love, forgive, and pray for. We can conquer the world. <laughs> Another nugget. <laughs> Lovely, ma'am. Good job. I'm writing all these little things down. Me too. <laughs> these little sayings. 
<laughs> well, ma'am, thank you so, so much for taking time out to spend um, this evening with us. We thoroughly appreciate it. I know this podcast is going to be so well received um, just because just like what Barbara said, you've given so many little nuggets um, throughout. You gave some really good practical tips. Um, I'm going to go back up the whole thing about spending time with yourself alone, loving yourself, and then setting boundaries, I think it's just going to be um, so transformational for a lot of people, because a lot of people don't know step one, mm-hmm. and how to mm-hmm. find themselves, yeah. right, mm-hmm. and the fact that you took time out to actually give those practical t- tips um, mm-hmm. are, are just phenomenal, and the fact that you're just telling people, you know, that it's very simple to understand who God is, or to get to know God, and it's just practicing getting to know him, yeah. you know, practice talking to him, um, I just think those are just those are just very um, easy things mm-hmm. that people can do if they want to. If they want right? to, right? So mm-hmm. the ball is always back in their court to take to take the time out to do to do the work. So um, thank you for sharing thank sharing this with us. We really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. This is a joy, and I pray my prayer is that it's well received and that people go into it smoothly, easily, um, without adding any burden to it because you know, when we trust him and love him, he will make it so that we will experience him and get to know him. He opens a door that simply makes absolutely no sense because he wants to be there for us. He's already there for us. He's already. Mm -hmm. Yes. Expect it. Expect it. Absolutely. Amen. All right, ma'am. Well, thank you. Thank you, lady. Great. All right. Be blessed. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.